All right, I am ready to dive in. Are you ready to continue our series on the Holy Spirit? I hope you are. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we are going to start in verse 1. This is week four of our series on the Holy Spirit. And if you remember, I have been laying a foundation for who the Holy Spirit is. We talked uh, the first week about the fact that he's a person and the fact that he's God. We talked about the fact that he's not gonna just like come all over you and make you into this weird thing, you know, and just make you weird. He's not, you can trust him. Uh, He's God, he's a person. And then last week, we uh, looked at the fact that uh, he's still speaking. He's still speaking, and I I wanted to help you learn how to hear and listen for the voice of the Spirit in your life, because he's speaking to you. The question is, are we listening? Today we're starting a, uh, I'm going to talk about spiritual gifts, and today will be an overview of the gifts, and then next week I'm going to dive in uh, one by one. We're going to look at the manifestational gifts of the Spirit next week, and uh, and I'm excited about that, and and, and then we have, we still have uh, two or three more Um, uh, Sundays on the Holy Spirit, and then first Wednesday in December, right here is just going to be a Holy Spirit night where we want people to come, and we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you and ask God to just touch your life, and God's going to do some amazing, powerful things during that service. So there's the lineup for you, and uh, just so you know where we're headed. Today, spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you're there, say, go ahead. If you're not there, say, hold up. I'm going to go ahead then. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 12.1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Your translation may say ignorant. He's saying this. Uh, I don't want you to be unaware or uninformed uh, concerning spiritual gifts. Matter of fact, let's just pray right now and ask him to come and reveal himself to us in a great way today. Father, right now in the next few moments, we give you full authority to come and move till the soil of our hearts speak to us, encourage us, stretch us, and get all the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Now concerning, let me just give you a little background about what's happening. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and uh, he's saying, now concerning the issue you had. Uh, What we actually know, based on 1 Corinthians 5, is that this is not the first letter that he wrote to the Corinthians. In in chapter 5, he says, hey, the letter that I previously wrote to you. And so then in chapter 7, we see that they wrote a response to him. And so we have... 1 Corinthians is actually his second letter to them, and it's really responding to a lot of the questions they have. And so in chapter 12, he's like, okay, and now to the questions that you had concerning spiritual gifts. Let me address that now. And he's saying, I can't have the church uninformed or ignorant about the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have to be aware of spiritual gifts. The word spiritual here is the Greek word pneumatikos, uh, and this word means gifts that are empowered by the breath of God. And so what he's saying is now concerning gifts that are empowered by the very breath of God Almighty, you cannot be ignorant about. We need to understand this. Uh, it, it, is, it is the word wind or, or breath of God. Let me give you a little history on gifts of the Spirit because whether you know it or not, this has been a divider for chur- in, in churches for centuries, actually. And, 
Many denominations were started because of the divide on where people stand concerning gifts of the Spirit. And uh, there are uh, groups of denominations, some even in our area, that would consider themselves to be cessationist. And all that means is, is they believe that when the apostles died, uh, miracles also stopped happening. And that, that, you know, that we can no longer operate in the power, in the, in, the, in the gifts of the Spirit in that way. Now, to be fair to them, because I've had a lot of conversations and, and, and loving debates with people that are cessationist, they would, they, they would not say God is not doing any miracles. They, they would say God can come and do whatever he wants, but we, we do not have the authority to activate and use the gifts of the Spirit in our own life. So like laying our hands and praying for people and they're healed, well, that's just not the way God works. If he wants to do it, he can do it, but he stopped doing that when the apostles died. And I want you to know emphatically here at Generation Church, we reject that thought. We reject that theology because we know God cannot cease to be himself. And he said, I'm going away, and it's better that I go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. He's going to not just be with you, but he's going to be in you. And now you will be able to continue what I started. Last time I looked, it's still continuing. It's not over. The kingdom is still advancing. There's still work to be done. So as long as there's still work to be done, we still need the power source to accomplish the work. So... Here's just a few reasons why I just can't buy into that theology. Well, we see in 55 years after Christ's death in the church of Corinth that it wasn't just the apostles that were operating in, in the gifts of the Spirit and seeing miracles happen. It was the whole church. Men and women were operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You fast forward uh, years later, we see church fathers like Origen and Augustine that testify in their writings of not just operating themselves but seeing countless miracles take place at the laying on of hands and God moving in power ways. I'm just here to tell you it hasn't stopped. You fast forward into the centuries and we went through a dark period, but listen, the church woke up at the Reformation and the church woke up again in the early 1900s with the birth of a movement of the Spirit and he's still moving today because he desires to save the lost, heal the sick, and see captives set free. This is who he is. I'm getting fired up early, guys. <laughs> just get ready. This is the history of the gifts. Now I want to tell you a little bit about my history. A lot of new people here. Our church is growing every single week. And so a lot of you have not heard. Anytime I talk about uh, the gifts of the Spirit or, or topics like this, I want you to know where we stand, really. Um, I, uh, I was raised Southern Baptist. And I'm thankful for my Southern Baptist heritage. And I want that to be known right now. I'm thankful for my Southern Baptist heritage because I have an honor and a respect for the Word of God. And to not just operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but to have knowledge of God. My people perish for lack of emotion. Knowledge. So we need to, have, we need to be seated on good theology and, 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 and the Word of God keeps us straight. It sharpens us. So I got saved about 20 years old and went to what I thought would, you know, Baptist church. I thought if you weren't Baptist, you weren't saved, really. I'm just being honest with you. And, and so I went to a Baptist church, but I had been radically saved and I was fired up for Jesus. I mean, just drastic from drugs and alcohol and just a crazy life. 
radically fired up for Jesus and I've come to this church and I'm, and, and it, you know, a lot of great Baptist churches out there. So this is not a knock on anything. It's just the particular one I was in. I was sitting in this college group with about 25 college students and I'm fired up for Jesus, just got radically saved. And I feel like I'm in the doctor's office, the dentist office or something. People in the room were just like, you know, they, they didn't look like they even wanted to be there. When they talked about Jesus, I'm like, why is there no excitement in you? Do you know what Jesus has done for you? And so I began to pray and say, God, there has to be more. And I met uh, a friend of mine who invited me to a vineyard church. And that was kind of my progression, right? I mean, I went from like straight up Southern Baptist. I went to a vineyard church where I'm like seeing people play the guitar and worship in a different way. And then, and then I got invited to the straight out Pentecostal church where I met my wife. Praise God for the Pentecostals. And so they're really being opened up to the, the, the things of the spirit. And so where do we stand as Generation Church? Are we Baptist? Are we Pentecostal? Are we Baptocostal? Where do we stand? Here's where I feel like we stand. I, in, my, in my 20s especially, I really felt like this hybrid. I felt like I had to choose, but I didn't know which one to choose. You see, because I have a lot of friends in the Baptist church still. I've got friends that are straight up Calvinists, like hardcore Calvinists. And you can still love them. It's too much division in the body of Christ. We're too critical of our brothers and sisters. And so I have friends who are, you know, uh, they're very smart. They're very intelligent. They know theology. And then I have friends who are straight, just, just you know, the crazy Pentecostal type. <laughs> we love them too. And so where, where do we fit? My wife and I both feel like God's kind of called us to be in the middle. I, I, God told me a long time ago, he said, you don't have to pick a side. Just love me and, and read my word and, and tell people about me. You don't have to, do I, am I, do I have to go over here? And I'd come over here and I didn't really feel like I fit real well because I'm like fired up and talking loud. <laughs> and the Baptists are like, calm down, buddy. You know, and then I'm and then I'm over here in crazy Pentecostal land and and I'm like, hey, this is really cool that you guys are moving in the gifts of the spirit and all this stuff. But but it, you, you really you, you don't know scripture. And so you're, you're you're not living in victory because emotion doesn't set anyone free. And so we need both. We need we need the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit and we need the, the word of God and we need solid doctrine. And so we feel here that we want to bridge these two together and say yes to both and pull them together. And so this is a, you know, really kind of the history of us and my wife and I and, and where we are. Um, and so I, I, I love that. It does, this does not make us special. It doesn't make us you know, any, any better. It's just, it's just who we are. And we're not critical of, of, of other ministries. We're not here to throw, to throw rocks. We wanna, we wanna see chains fall off of people. So I'll let other people throw stones at other ministries. We want to see chains fall off of people. And we want to see people set free here. All right, so for the next few moments, what I'd like to do is just give you an overview of the gifts of the Spirit. There are different types of gifts of the Spirit that we need to, to be aware of and how they function and what their purpose is. And so uh, I kind of see in Scripture in my own study that there are three categories of gifts. Now, uh, don't send me an email because I know some scholars would say there's four and others would say that, you know, maybe there's even five. I just kind of see three. And so I'm going to tell you what those three are. Uh, the first type or category of gift is motivational gift. We see the motivational gifts in Romans chapter 12. And uh, let's just go ahead and turn there. Romans 12, and I wanna read some verses for you. 
motivational gifts. Uh, what we're gonna read are gifts that God has given to every single person in this room. Every person has been given at least one of these. A motivational gift, it's how you respond. It's how you're wired. It's how God made you to respond in certain ways that may be different from the way that somebody else responds. So in verse three, it says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as one in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let's say that together. Say, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, uh, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in, ex in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity. Did you know there's actually a spiritual gift of giving? Did you know that God has designed and gifted some people to just to, to be lavish givers in the body of Christ and the church needs that? The one who leads with zeal. Come on, we need some zealous leaders in the body of Christ. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. These are the motivational gifts. And uh, right now, uh, because this is second service, right now in our growth track room, we, this is week two of our growth track. And there's a group of people in that room right now taking a spiritual gifts test based on Romans 12. And we are helping them to discover what their motivational gift is. And uh, if you've not been through Growth Track, pick it up next week. It's going to help you uh, and really help you discover the way that God has designed you. So what's, what do we need to know about the manifestational gifts? And then we're going to go into the motivational before we go to the manifestational. The motivational gift that God has given you is, is, is the way that you are motivated, the way that you respond to situations. So... Uh, there could be something that happens in the church, a, a problem, and, and uh, you have the gift of mercy, and your initial reaction to that problem is to not even think about any kind of financial problem that has happened, any kind of thing that maybe have made a mess, or any kind of things like somebody stepped on the flowers, and oh my God, you're not worried about that. You're motivated by mercy, and you be, you, you, you're a beeline right for the person, and you're like, are you okay and you put your arm around them is everything okay don't worry about all that stuff we'll, we'll take care of that later are you okay and then you look over and you see your brother or sister in Christ who's who's maybe you know got the gift of serving and they're just already picking stuff up and they're already cleaning up the mess they haven't even one time looked at the person and what we can't do is criticize each other's gift because it's different so because I have a gift of mercy and I have my arm around this person and I look over and see somebody not even looking at the person who may be crying, they're cleaning up the mess. I can't say, hey, how dare you worry about that right now? They're motivated that way. You may look over and you may see a leader over there and, and leaders are motivated to, to, to gather people together under a common vision and to see things happen and, and, and really rally people together. And so you may see somebody saying, hey, you come over here. Hey, if you could actually do this and make sure this. And they're, and they're rallying people together so that we can accomplish something. 
But I, as a leader, I can't look over to the mercy person and saying, stop, you, you've been hugging that person for six minutes. Get over it already. No, I can't do that because they're motivated that way. And here's the problem. The church has been divided and, and allowed conflict in because of the way that God designed us. He designed us unique and different, but there's unity and diversity. There's unity and diversity. And so together, together, it, it, we complement each other in our gifts. Everybody in this room has been given a motivational gift. 1 Corinthians 12, we see what are called manifestational gifts. I'm not going to talk a lot about that today because I'm going to spend an entire message next week diving into the manifestational gifts. These are gifts that are not yours. They are the Holy Spirit's, but he can manifest them through you really at any time. And we, we as children of God can operate in the manifestational gifts that are from the Holy Spirit. So come next week and I'll tell you more about that. And then we see in Ephesians 4 and also 1 Corinthians 12 what are called ministry, ministerial gifts. And these are gifts that uh, to equip the saints for the work of, of the ministry. So uh, when we talk about diversity in gifts, let me say this before we dive into just two points today. Two points about gifts. Um, when we talk about the diversity of our gifts, church, this is why we cannot compare ourselves to other people. Comparison will kill you because the person you're comparing yourself to was designed differently and they're motivated differently and they're in a different season than you are and they've come through different things than you have. And so it's really pointless and fruitless for you to say, uh, to begin to compare yourself to somebody else and their gift that may has been, they've been developing that gift maybe for 20 years and you just discovered yours and you're saying, well, I'm not as good as that person. So we can't do that. We need to understand the, the, the full process of the gifts of the Spirit. You with me? All right. Two truths that are going to uh, help you make a difference with the gifts that God gave you. Two truths today that are going to help you make a difference with the gifts that God gave you. Here's the first one. Gifts are discovered and developed by action. Gifts are discovered and developed by action. And I'm going to cover both of those, discovery and development. So let's look at the discovery aspect of our gifts. How do we find out how or what we're gifted in? Well, let me just tell you this. You just got to get in the game. You gotta, you've got to activate. You've just got to jump in and begin to serve somewhere. This is why I encourage every person to be a part of the A-team. Is it so that, you know, we need people to help? Yes, but it's also for you so that the gifts inside of you can begin to be discovered and developed. Let me illustrate this for you in Acts chapter 6, if you want to turn there. Acts chapter 6, we see introduced here uh, the life of Philip. And uh, I want to show you a progression in his life that I think is going to help you. It says in verse 1 of Acts 6, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenist arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. There was a problem in the church. Did you know that happens sometimes? 
And the 12 summoned, they had, a, they had a meeting, they summoned the full number of the disciples and said, hey, it's not right that we should completely give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And they will, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip. And so here we see Philip is appointed to be a server of complaining widows. How would you like that title? You send an email and underneath, Philip, server of complaining widows. What, we, what Philip didn't do is say, hey, time out a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that you guys just stand around there and preach the word and, you know, do all the real spiritual stuff and get all the credit, and you want me to actually just go serve these complaining ladies over here? I don't think so. I'm more anointed than that. No, no, no. He jumped in, and we see early on, we see Philip just willing to serve. The interesting thing is that through Philip's willingness to serve, we fast forward two chapters in the book of Acts, and we come to uh, chapter 8, verse 5, and it says, And then the Lord opened a door for him. Mm, I could preach this whole thing. I could a whole message right here. Then the Lord opened a door for him. Who opened the door? Yeah, that door would not ever have opened had he said no to the title of server of complaining widows. The, door to, the, the Lord opened a door for him to evangelize the Samaritans and he took it. And he ministered to the Ethiopian eunuch in this chapter, led him to Jesus, baptized him. And so now we're seeing him get a little bit of influence and I think now there's some time that's passed and he's just jumped in the game and he's serving and God's opening doors. He still doesn't have a title, he's just Philip right now. But as time goes on and, and more doors open and, and he begins to step out more and more and as the years go on, we get to chapter 21 of the book of Acts and verse eight does not call him Philip anymore. And verse eight says, Philip the evangelist. So now all of a sudden he has come into his calling as an, a gifted and appointed evangelist for the kingdom of God. But he got there through his willingness to get in and begin to serve in the mud. And so gifts are discovered not by waiting around and saying, you know, well, when God tells me exactly what he wants me to do, then I'll serve and it ain't gonna be in the kid's side. <laughs> Some of y'all said that, I know you. Lord, call me anywhere, you call me to Africa, I don't care, just don't call me the kid. No, man, what, what y'all don't know is revival's happening over there right now. And we got little four, five, and six-year-olds with their arms raised in the presence of Jesus, and did you know kids are getting saved almost every week over there? Come on now, we're not babysitting here. That's another topic, that wasn't in my notes. So we see Philip. Philip discovered his gift through getting in the game and saying, I don't care what it is. You need me to serve some complaining people right now and just be that guy? I'll do it. And over time, the Lord opened a door for him. So let me say this before we get into the development stage. 
I feel like some of you have been waiting on God to show you where you fit in the body and God's waiting on you to just get in the game. The waters crossing over the Jordan did not part until they put their foot into it. They did not sit there looking at the water and have a, 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 a prayer meeting and say, you know, we're going to sit here until God decides to part the water. Their faith in what God had already spoken to them, man, come on, this is good, and what God had already said, even though water had not parted yet, they were led by faith and they took a step and put their foot into the water and it was at that moment that God moved. So we need to be people of action. We need to be full-time Christians. <laughs> the days of part-time Christianity should be over. So, discover, what about develop? Let me just say this, if you know your gift, you need to work your gift. You need to be diligent over your gift. God entrusted you with something, now step out and use it. Some of you guys think that because I have the gift just to, to be up here and communicate the word of God, that, you know, it's just something I do. Like, I literally don't prepare. I just, you know, when I grab the mic, I come up and I'm like, all right, well, Lord, use, use me now and let the gift come out and I'm just going to talk. And then my gift's just going to come out. Well, I'm here to tell you it doesn't work that way. So I'm not even in my office during the week and I'm just sitting at my desk and I'm just waiting and I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm waiting on you. And then all of a sudden, heaven opens up and this sermon just floats down onto my desk and a voice comes down and says, this is the sermon for this Sunday, son. I wish it happened that way. That would be awesome. But I've gotta be diligent to sharpen and develop the gift that God has placed inside of me. And I was doing that early on, before you know anybody knew my name, with four teenagers in a non-ACed room, I was developing and I was, I was just sharpening my gift. I was getting into the presence of God and I was learning the word of God. I was learning how to communicate the gospel to people and that has not stopped nor will it. You think now just because I know how to do this, I'm good? No, I wanna constantly be diligent to develop what God entrusted me with. And so should you, so should you. Don't look up here and say, whew, man, I'm so glad we got some great anointed people to do all the work. Don't, please, we need you, God needs you. and it's gonna benefit you. So gifts are discovered and developed by action, and here's the last point today. I gotta to be honest with you guys, this point came to me last night as I was in my office down here very late, and I changed some of my whole message because the Lord impressed this so strongly into my spirit. And so here's the second point today. Gifting does not equal anointing. Gifting is not anointing. I heard Christine Kane some time ago talking about this and, and she actually said this. I'm going to quote something she said because I think she's exactly right. She said this. She said, we have a generation of Christians who can't tell the difference between gifting and anointing. And I think she's right. 
Isaiah 61 says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has gifted me. We need to understand that the words gifting and anointing are different. They're, they're, they're different. And even in the Greek, the word gift is charisma. It means grace gift. But the word anointing is the Greek word chrisma. And it, is, it literally means a special endowment of the Holy Spirit. It's like, it's like the Holy Spirit says, go do this. Oh, wait, 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 wait. And it's like he, this oil from heaven just gets poured over you to, to bring heaven to your situation. We, as the body of Christ, have to be able to distinguish between gifting and anointing. Why is this important? Because right now we have a lot of gifted people in the body of Christ. And they've got millions of followers on Instagram. And we've got a generation coming up who sees that and thinks that's anointing. And so we've got people that are getting their theology and mentored from people because they've got a million Instagram followers and because they can sing well. You don't have to, I already patted myself on the back before I came out. I said, it's gonna be okay today, Stephen. You're gonna do a great job. The people love you, they do. They do. We need some men and women who will stand up under the anointing of God. Why? Because the Bible says it is the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Nowhere do you read that is a gift that breaks the yoke and bondages. So how do we know whether that, that people are just operating in a gift or in the anointing? Well, do people leave the same? Are they just encouraged? Did you get goosebumps? That doesn't mean anything. I can go to, you know, my goodness, you can go to any secular concert and get goosebumps. You see, we've got to, we've got to distinguish. I'm not saying if you feel goosebumps, oh, that might not be God. No, I'm not, don't, get, don't get weird, okay? Just understand that just because someone can sing really well or is operating in a gift really well doesn't mean it's a chain-breaking anointing on them. And what I'm saying is, is the church needs more anointing and less elevation of gift. Not knocking gift because God gave us gifts. Matter of fact, the Bible says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. So in other words, you could go into rebellion right now and still possess your gift. And that's why people, men and women of God, can fall and they can go through seasons of ultimate failure and come back and get restored and immediately operate in their gift again because God did not remove it from them because they sinned. And so what I'm saying is, is that we need to be people who carry the anointing. What is, what is the anointing? It is the ability to bridge heaven and earth through the Spirit of God. How do we get the anointing? Listen, the very word anointing, it, it, we see over and over people who were anointed. When David was anointed by Samuel, you know what he did is he poured what? Oil over him. Where do you get oil? How do you get oil? You get oil from, from the pressing and the crushing. 
Oil comes from crushing and it comes from pressing. And we need a generation of people who are willing to go through the crushing and willing to go through the pressing. And whatever God puts in front of them, they say, God, you're with me and you're going to get me through this. And ultimately, I'm going to see your faithfulness. And over time, as I'm spending time in the presence of God, the very, the very kind of dew of heaven will begin to rest upon my life. Now when I stand up, have I been gifted to communicate? Yes. But I've heard a lot of communicators that are gifted have no anointing. And chains are not going to break. Bondages are not. Listen. God wants you and I, not just me. This is not just for full-time people. I heard a story one time of, in the 20s, 30s, this man of God was on a train and he had been fasting and just in the presence of God. He said, I went and I was so under the power of the spirit. I didn't say anything, I was going to work and he sat down on the train and the person across from him began to weep and repent under the power of God. So what does the church need? A rebirthing of people who carry the weight of heaven on them and you don't get the anointing on the stage. The anointing comes in the secret place. It comes in the crushing seasons. You've gone through something and God's not gonna waste your problem and your season of, of, of pressing. There's oil that's gonna come from that season. And all of a sudden, over time, the pressing and the crushing and the, and the intimacy with God, and, and he just begins to pour more oil out over you. And now you have something that has weight on it. So, so now I've said it this way. You could be at your work, and God could lead you to pray for somebody. And you could walk up to somebody and say, excuse me, sir. I, I, God sent me to pray for you. And you said it, but God said it. And all of a sudden, this man can just begin to tremble and weep in God's presence. And you begin to put your hand on them and pray for them. And although it's you and although it's the gift that God gave you, and yes, yes, yes. But it's, it's heaven's due that is now coming through you onto somebody else. And they're not thinking about you. They're thinking about God. And this is how you know whether someone has a gift or just, you know, what, the anointing or just a gift. Do people leave talking about the person or do people leave in awe of God? The anointing automatically draws us to heaven. So don't walk out of here and all you say is, oh man, what a gift, Pastor Steve. Well, oh joy, man, this is a great singer. Man, if that's all we get, we're failing. We want heaven to come. We want, we want God's voice, the weight of his voice to fall in your life and speak directly where you are. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're dealing with. He knows your situation and he has an answer for you. Why am I saying all this? Because yes, it's great that we talk about gifts. We're gonna discover them, we're gonna develop them, but we can't be people who, who chase the gift over the giver of the gift. What has to fuel us first and foremost, thank, thank you God for my gift, but it's not enough for me, I need your presence. I need the Spirit of the Lord on me. You need the Spirit of the Lord on you to do what he's called you to do. You say, well, I'm not in full-time ministry. You're a Christian on assignment. Well, you know, 
You're at church every day. I'm only there once a week. Your mission is where your feet are. And I want to encourage you today. I hope I'm not discouraging you. I want to encourage you that God has amazing things for us. And together through unity and diversity and all these gifts and they look different and we all look different and we all sound different and we all operate different. But together God's able to bring us to together and do something amazing and we will see eternal impact in the areas and the regions around us. This is a desire for us to see real 